Steps on, going for Fitzgerald, touchdown Arizona. David Johnson off to the races. He will score, touchdown Arizona. And it is Patrick Peterson who comes up with the spectacular interception. Greetings and welcome to episode 82 of the British Bird Gang Breakdown. Three straight wins followed by three straight defeats. Who said it wasn't fun being an Arizona Cardinals fan? To break down the latest referee-assisted disappointment, I'm Tom, and I'm joined by Callum to do exactly that. Hey Tom, how's it going? Ah, you know, (laughs) another loss. What more can you say? Oh, it's one of those weeks as an NFL fan. I'm not, never a big fan of of blaming extraneous circumstances on a loss and and I'm not really gonna but you gotta say that the end of that game was tough to watch at least we know how it feels to be a Premier League football fan at the moment with all the VAR controversy and all that (laughs) yeah all the stuff that people are getting called for on tiny things well in our case it was the lack of a call uh really even with even even though they had access to VAR they didn't call it I know but they should have done but you know what can you do I bet they just wanted to go home really it was the last play of the game. I think that's how it is. I think that there's a lot of the rules at the moment are scripted to kind of keep the game flowing better, you know, but like also introduce ad breaks. Um, but I think given that it was the end of the game, they just wanted to get it done with. But hey-ho, here we are with a, a 27-30 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, but before we get to that, we've got some news. Do we really? We do have some news, though, because veteran linebacker Zach Brown was released. Without even playing a down for us. Really? Is that him away now? Oh, well, actually, did we know? Was that not just at the end of last week's recording? No, it happened like just before the game this weekend. So he could activate Max Garcia off the physically unable to perform list. Oh, there you go. I guess, I mean, these these things, you got to shuffle. We were talking about it before, especially with. Um, with the running back situation that we've got going just now. Yeah, we did have a big chunk of last week's episode, but while I was editing that episode, news came out about it, so I just quickly deleted it, and no one was any of the wiser. <laughs> well, until now. Until now, yeah, but you know. Did you? So do you reckon, I mean, I've got no numbers to back this up, because actually, you know, this is uh, this is news to me as well. Uh, do you feel that we've been moving around the roster a lot more this season than we have done in previous seasons? I think it's about the same, really, because, you know, Steve Carmel was on about finding, like, chin in the roster, isn't he? So, basically, that's all they're doing, as always. Maybe it's the feeling of a lot of guys coming in and, and leaving, you know, the revolving door style. Um, Grandpa Simpson coming into the to the uh, brothel style. Burlesque house. Burlesque house, sorry. It was, it was explicitly not a brothel, you're right. I mean, that's now one of my most used gifts on Twitter, <laughs> so... Yeah, so there must be a bit more of that going on than usual. But yes, we do have a game to talk about, one which we probably don't really want to talk about. Yeah, and I think in the spirit of that, we should get the negatives out of the way first. And um, there's a lot of negatives in this game. I mean, this is, um, I think it was the guys on on one of the Arizona Cardinals podcasts, as they put it, this is a game of what ifs. You know, what if the sun hadn't been in a tight end's eyes? What if the uh, Booth Review would have not been against us once and called for us another time. Um, what if we hadn't turned over in the red zone 
at the last part of the game. Yeah, it's just crazy. Everything seemed to go against us. I mean, that being said, there was a lot of chances that the team had within its control to not make that happen as well. Oh yeah, for sure. We definitely had our chances, just didn't take them. As you mentioned, the Max Williams drop, that was just unforgivable. He could have walked in at DJ Pace and got in there. <laughs> I know, he would have been, he it was a, absolutely a walk-in touchdown at that point, and that was, you know, it's little things like that. There's so many that you could point to throughout the game that were just little moments, tiny mistakes that that really cost us the game. You know, we, we would have been walking away from that no no problem at all. The DJ fumble as well, that was just unforgivable. No wonder he didn't play after that. Yeah, so I, I when I didn't see him coming back, I'd assumed that he was injured, but then it came out later that DJ was, um, he was, you know, taken off by coach's decision, wasn't he? Yeah, Cliff Kingsley mentioned that in his post-game press conference, which, I mean, isn't that much of a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you run five times for two yards and you fumble it once on the ten yard line, then you know it's not it's not going to go well for you, is it? Yeah, it wasn't his best game. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but of course, it did lead to a lot of DJ hate. Well, Twitter's quite reactionary like that, aren't they? Yeah, nothing new there, really. I guess the other player that got a lot of hate on Twitter would have been Patrick Peterson. I mean, I would say definite improvement over the Forty ers game. It wasn't atrocious. But he just wasn't wasn't performing. Yeah, and that offsides penalty on the field goal that they missed, you know, that just killed us. It not only because it moved, the, it's like a ten yard penalty as well, right? No, I think it was a five yard penalty. But I mean, it, it moves them closer, and they get another go at field goal that they missed. It's just like when the ice the kicker, you know, you're like yeah, this is going to stop him from kicking. He misses that one, but then he takes another one, and it's like yeah, that one's good. Typical. Uh, it's it's a bit of a shame, really. And uh, the question is, is why why was he so offside? Because was was he really going for that field goal block? Did he just want the highlight of the field goal block and returning it, or was it uh, a case of just misjudging the snap? Probably a mixture of both, you know, because you know he likes his highlights, Patrick. He does, yeah. It's all about him. He has a bit of a personality, and you know, I, I think just given the last. Two games, uh, two, three games, it, it feels less deserved, you know? Yeah, I mean, defence as a whole as well seemed to struggle, at least getting them off the field. The third downs, they just killed us, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, it was a surprise when we actually stopped them on third down because it didn't happen that many times. I did see that um, teams against us are now 59% on converting third downs, and that's regardless of distance. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that shouldn't be that high. It definitely shouldn't be, considering I think we're at like 13%. We're no good at converting them ourselves, but, you know, feel free to convert them on our defense as much as you want. Apparently so. And, you know, that kind of thing that just swings momentum. And, and, you know, time of possession is obviously a huge stat. And these two things combining are just not giving us enough time to possess the ball and do anything with it. But I mean, like, when we do get the ball on offense, we can run like a hurry up offense. Or, you know, a Murray-up offense, if you will. <laughs> Murray-up offense, yeah. And and that was in full swing on uh, on Sunday. I really enjoyed watching it. It was fast-paced, it was exciting, and there were some, you know, big plays going on there. But, you know, when it came to the defense, it's uh, it was genuinely a case of, you know, seeing Tampa Bay on third and 11 and feeling like there's a good chance that they were going to be able to convert it. Yeah, especially when they had two end-of-half drives ending up in touchdowns, you know. That's the sort of thing you don't want to happen. I think the one at the end of the first half was just un- unforgivable. 
because like they had like barely any time left, and he just strolled down the field and scored a touchdown. Yeah, didn't that include like you know a forty-yard play and a thirty-yard play? Yeah, it's literally in the blink of an eye they managed to get from their like kickoff return position and then scoring the touchdown. Was that the one that we we um, muffed the kick on as well? No, I think that was a bit earlier. That was no, it was it was not not a good uh, thing to do, and and you know. That sort of thing that it changes it from going in on a into the half when we're in the lead to in the half when it's a tied ball game, and that just changes the the, the um, strategies drastically. You know, if you're coming in on the back foot, then you've got to play entirely different football to when you're coming in, you know, evenly matched. Yeah, well, I mean, like they've been happy enough giving them a field goal, I suppose. You know, thirteen, thirteen at the half, but you know. He gave up a touchdown and it was 17-13 at the half. That that kind of thing is absolutely a momentum killer. Definitely. And of course, one thing we have to look back is the fact that we finally lost a fumble this season. That's a negative in my eyes. That's true. But uh, uh, definitely a positive that we've managed to hang on this long. Yeah, and I believe it's not been since 1940 or something like that, I think they said in commentary, where a team had gone this long into a season without actually losing a fumble. I gotta say, it was, you know, it's it's something that was quite refreshing about the offense. You know, at least that when they're getting sent off the field, it's not because of a a turnover. It's because they're they're punting it away. You know. Well, I mean, there was one turnover as well, which you know we'll get onto a bit more. But in this case, you know, we we did win the turnover battle. Oh yeah, but you know, you're playing against Jameis Winston, so pretty much you're gonna do that all the time anyway. That's true. Yeah, he. I mean, he gave it away. Was it on his very first play, or was it just in the first drive? It was on the first drive that was when they Byron Murphy got his first interception. Now we're creeping into positives there, so that's true, yeah. But well, in terms of turnovers, I mean, there's the big one right at the end of the game, right? Yep. But of course, before we get onto that, we've got another negative: the fact that Bruce Arians won. <laughs> that's negative enough. Yeah, he won with with uh, sneaky tactics as well, with him throwing the uh, extra challenge flag and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't see the point of doing that because. I mean, I've seen it done before and he got a 15-yard penalty, but they didn't. I think that was because they had timeouts left, so they lost them instead. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting rule. There's there's stuff to do with timeouts and time left in the game. If you do that within two-minute warning, I think you get a massive penalty as well. Yeah, I think it's probably like a 15-yard penalty, isn't it, for like unsportsmanlike conduct? Yeah. Because, of course, within the two-minute warning, all reviews are done automatically. Yeah, everything's done in the... Well, not all reviews, apparently. Well, yeah, some aren't, you know, <laughs> if they go against the Cardinals or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that gets us really on to our, our, our sort of final thing, which is the, the referees, our final negative. Yeah, I mean, like, where do we begin with that referee crew? I don't know, awful. I mean, really, there's, there's two plays that happened. One is a call that came back, which was the pass interference call against... Um, was it Byron Murphy that was up the back? Yeah, I think it was Byron Murphy on that one. Yeah, so it was a pa- which is you know it was pass interference. I think we can say that it was just pass interference. I'm not sure it was to be honest. Compared compared to the last play of the game, you know, compared to the last play, it definitely was. But the po- point is, is that was called, and then the last play wasn't. I mean, also when Kyler Murray threw his interception, that looked a bit like pass interference. Yeah, yeah, you could say. Or that. maybe it was Trent Sherfield tripping over. 
this is that's a question because I, I reckon there's a good chance that it was Trent Sherfield losing his footing as well. Also, it was a duck. Let's be honest, it wasn't a good throw. He was throwing off his back foot. It was floaty. It was uh, not not his best throw. But yeah, but if Trent Sherfield's upright, he could still have a chance of catching it. He can at least contest it, right? Instead of thinking he's Neymar and diving on the floor. Yeah. No, I don't know. I I don't want to say that we could have won the game without the referees because we did make a lot of mistakes in and of ourselves but it certainly didn't help and it was definitely definitely a bad way to end the game oh yeah absolutely especially when like had it gone for us we'd have had an untimed down on the 20 yard line which should basically be a field goal make that yeah. and it goes into or overtime if you're cliff kingsbury probably a fake field goal that you try and throw for the end zone and then it gets intercepted anyway. Yeah, but we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and also, you can't really trust the referees when it comes to overtime either. Because have you seen the video from Monday Night Football? No, I missed that. What happened? I think it was Geno Smith, like, calls heads or tails, obviously. Yeah. He says tails. Or it look, at least it sounds like he says tails. But the referee says he called heads. And it was heads. So they received the ball. Ooh. So it's like, can you trust the referees with that? Uh, I don't know, especially after the game that we had. I, I imagine that we would have, you know, called some third face of the coin that doesn't really exist. Do you reckon if we went into overtime, we could have won it? I think so. Yeah. I think it obviously depends on the toss because the toss is, you know, is a huge part of the NFL overtime if you win that or not. But I don't know. I don't know that we would have won it. I think in terms of overall momentum shift and. And how well our offense was playing versus how well their defense was playing, I don't know that we would have got to the to the touchdown in time. We could have got another tie, though. That's true. You know, give us a weird three, five, and two record. A, a, two ties in a season would be pretty ridiculous, really. I mean, it's not the nineteen thirties <laughs> anymore. Like it, that doesn't happen anytime. Doesn't I don't know. Int- interesting one, but th- the thing is, is at the very least, out of you know a game that was so close, we still had quite a lot of positives to talk about. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we like to try and be positive on this podcast because we had enough negativity last year. We've got to bring some sort of positivity into it. Got it, like, all out, expelled all the negativity that we could last year. And plus, you know, I think I think this this team has a lot more to actually be positive about than last year. Especially kicking off with the first positive from the game, Kyler Murray, once again. The man, yeah. And in the words of Daniel Jeremiah, he's got a chance to be special. I th- I think so, especially given the the way that the numbers are stacking up for him. Yeah, I mean, you know, the records just keep tumbling for Kyler this year. The the streak of passes without an interception is now over. Um, yeah, but it, it's now over, but it's a record breaking streak by a long shot, right? Yeah, he shattered the previous record of 177 passes without an interception, going for 211 before that one where Trent Sherfield fell over. Uh, a streak set by Dak Prescott and Derek Carr, right? I didn't find out who it was who previously held the record, but I think that sounds about right. So we'll stick with that. I think it was, and, you know, that's that's not bad company to be in if you think back to their rookie years. No, I mean, they both had decent rookie years, Dak especially. Yeah. Of course, we've got another oddly specific statistic when it comes to Kyler Murray. Go on, then. The fact that he's now the fourth QB ever to have 2,500 passing yards. In 250 rushing yards in his first 10 games. I mean, I guess that the, the statistic that sets that apart is the 250 rushing yards, right? Yeah, so on the run, what Kyler Murray had for 32 yards, 
he ended up setting the Cardinals' single-season franchise record for rushing yards by a rookie quarterback. He entered the game needing just one yard to better the 313 yards of Bud Schwenk in 1942. With the name like Bud Schwenk, could it have been at any other time than like the 40s? I know, that's a weird name. Should have been in the war in that time though, saving his country. Uh, were the Americans in the war in 42? I thought it was like December 42 that they entered the war. In fact, in fact I know exactly how to find out. Just watch Pearl Harbor. I was going to say, I've just googled Pearl Harbor. No, it was December 1941, so he should have been in the war at that point. Interesting. Selfish. You do have to play the NFL. That's weird, because baseball emptied out during the Second World War, right? Like, it was the, they played the, the Women's League instead. People would be hoping the war would be ever quicker. Isn't to be fair, we, we might be assuming that Bud is a, is a guy. He was a guy. I've seen pictures. It, it was. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe we should talk a bit more about Calamari, because, you know, some of those passes he threw were just outrageous. They really were, weren't they? And he was hitting these ridiculously tight windows. I, I'm really looking forward to the end of the season when I can look back at the, some of those early games that he played and just see how much of an improvement he's made. Because, I mean, do you do you not get the same sort of uh, feeling where it's just going to be a huge improvement? Not really, because I think he's been throwing the ball well all season, really. I think he has as well, but I think he's he's currently making better judgments as to where to throw it and getting into there at better times. You know, it just looks a lot more impressive to me. He did still have a few miscues in this game, but, you know, let's set about them the better. But the touchdown passes were impressive, at least. Yeah, and I'm trying. And there's a few that were kind of down the sidelines, especially to, to Christian Kirk, who I think we'll be talking about in a minute, um, that were just right on the money, you know, and it was it's throwing into into double coverage, but with absolutely no risk of interception. There was no one except Christian Kirk who was going to be able to get that ball. On his third interception there, that was a tipped pass, which was tipped by a linebacker who could have really intercepted it, but he didn't. It did ricochet, and then it was just a beautiful little uh, adjustment from, from Christian Kirk, that's true. But of course, you know, we should probably talk about Christian Kirk, given the fact that he was player of the game from this one, by quite some distance. I, I was going to say, surely there was no competition even for that. Obviously, sort of career day for Christian Kirk, hat-trick. Our second hat-trick of the season. Yeah, that's true. It was uh, Chase Edmonds last time, right, in New York. I've not seen any statistics about that, but I don't think it's happened too often for us. In fact, the last wide receiver who had a free touchdown performance, have a guess who it was? Um, was it Fitz by any chance? It was, yes, back in 2015 against Chicago. I mean, that's a fair distance between the two, right? Like, like it goes to show that it's not that common to do, especially because usually, if you're, uh, you know, if you've already scored one or two touchdowns, the defense might be kind of readjusting to to start covering you a bit better. Yeah, you'd think so, but you know, he didn't manage to do that with Christian Kirk. Well, I think he was managing to get a, a step on his uh, on his DB a couple times, and there was a few times that they had definitely blown coverage. But you know, I think that, that you can't take it away from Christian Kirk. Obviously, he played really well. He got out there, used that speed, uh, and used the reach as well. Um, yeah, great to see. Kyler Murray's first college touchdown at Texas A and M was to Christian Kirk back in 2015 against Ball State University. There you go. I mean, that's. Uh... I mean, it goes to show that there was a definite feeling, you know, now that Christian Kirk is back and healthy, 
I definitely feel like, it, it, you know, Tyler missed him while he was away, just given how much he's being targeted now that he's back. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be getting targeted even more than Larry Fitzgerald, but even so, Larry Fitzgerald made a couple of good plays himself. Oh, that catch down the sideline. That was gorgeous. That was insane, that catch was. I mean, at first I didn't think he'd caught it, but then it was like, yeah, it's Larry Fitzgerald, of course he caught it. <laughs> yeah, you see the replay and you see that, that double toe drag. And his knees were down as well. You know, it was just amazing. You see Jerry Rice making those sort of catches. <laughs> well, and yeah, uh, Larry Fitzgerald doesn't even have Steckham to do it either. Exactly, the real goat there. I do have another Kyle Murray and Christian Kirk statistic, though. Is this one really oddly specific? It's kind of weird because it goes back to the olden days as well. Okay. Kyle Murray and Christian Kirk became the first pair of teammates under the age of 23 to connect for three touchdowns in a game since Fran Tarkenton and Charlie Ferguson on November the 11th, 1962. <laughs> I love it when you go back for these old statistics and they've got, you know, just such old-timey names. Yeah, I mean, it does help them with NFL's own at NFL345 account, which sent that out. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, like, that's that's not one that you're going to get without some decent access to the archives, but there you go. I mean, it's, it is impressive, and every time I hear, you know, Kyla Murray or Christian Kirk's age said out loud, I do feel incredibly old, but there you go. I mean, they're, one, they're definitely a pair for the future, aren't they? At least we hope so, anyway. That's probably the nicest thing to see about it is, I mean, just that overall, the, the way the roster is at the moment, it's a young team again. You know, it's amazing to see that we went from 2016, 2017 being the old man of the league to what is definitely, you know, always every week mentioned as a young team. It's what happens when you have an old man at coach, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And we bring in, you know, a complete rookie coach, rookie quarterback, rookie wide receivers, rookie running backs, everything. I mean, speaking of old people, did you see who was on the sideline for the Buccaneers? Other than Bruce Arians. Other than Bruce Arians, yeah. Tom Moore was still there. Oh, dear. Like 84 years old, still coaching. <laughs> definitely old boys club. I'm just liking the, you know, I like the idea of him getting up and close and personal with the guys at training camp, you know, holding up the tackle bags for them. I don't think he'd be doing that in his age. I think they would straight up break him, but there you go. Another positive from this game was the fact that we managed to force some defensive turnovers, even though the defense as a whole was pretty shit. Yep, true. I mean, we might not have been able to get those third downs, but we won, we straight up won the turnover battle. Although I think it does deserve an asterisk because it was against Jameis Winston. Yeah, who, I mean, he has like one of the highest number of picks in the NFL, right? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to hear if he was like, since he's came into the league, no one's thrown more picks than him. In fact, that probably might be true. No, he's he's definitely well known for it. That being said, I think anything that sparks a bit of life into the defense is fine by me. And even if that's, you know, coming in there and, and taking a few balls away from him and, and just sort of feeling good about themselves and maybe taking some of that uh, momentum forwards. We did manage to record two interceptions in this game. Byron Murphy managed to get his first career NFL interception. And Jordan Picks got his team <laughs> leading second of the season. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't expecting that one. Um, yeah, I mean, the By- Byron Murphy one obviously was... Uh, was a big one, you know, just getting that so early in the game. If only we were able to march down and turn that into a touchdown, 
that would have been, you know, a huge way to start that game. Yeah, I think we only got a field goal from that, though, didn't we? We did. We only got a field goal, and but it, at least it meant that you know we effectively negated their their first kickoff, and and you know by the time it came to the second half, we got the ball first again, kind of. Yeah, I mean it works out like that, doesn't it? Well, I because th- I I don't think we got it on his very first play, but we got it before his first first down. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely that. It was really early on as well. Um, unfortunately, yeah. And, and as you said, Jordan Hicks getting uh, getting his second of the season, which is pretty good for you know a guy that's not necessarily in the best position for taking picks or taking turnovers, I guess. And also his name is Picks. Jordan Picks. Yeah, I guess his name is Picks now. Well, it is until someone else overtakes him on the Picks <laughs> leaderboard. I can't believe he is like team uh, pick guy. Well, I mean, he does have 50% of our season total. That is true, yeah. Our, our dismally low season total. One total that isn't dismally low is Chandler Jones's fine season. And, of course, he managed to add to that even more this week with his fifth forced fumble, which is a new career high. I think he's on. He's in line for some sort of record for season sacks plus forced fumbles. I'm not sure what the actual NFL record is, but I believe he's one behind the Cardinals record of forced fumbles in the season. I mean, that's getting pretty close, and, and you would hope that they would have the chance to get at least one more through the rest of the season. And also, I think he's up to 11.5 sacks now, isn't he, this season? He has 11.5 sacks and five forced fumbles, which is, that's I mean, that, that's a respectable season total right there. And we're, we, you know, we just finished week 10. Yeah, he's still got like six or seven games left. Yeah. So let's add some more to that, get to 20 plus at least. <laughs> well, it's possible to do. I mean, total combined, anyway. It does seem a bit strange that this is the first time we're going to be mentioning this guy in the positives, though. Yeah, that's true. Player of the year last year. Player of everything last year, Andy Player, Lee. <laughs> just, just won all of the awards last season. <laughs> yep, Andy Lee. Um, what sixteenth season for him? It's his first career completion, which is. I mean, it's not that much of a strange statistic because how many punters do you know actually throw the ball that often? It's true because actually normally in a fake punt, it's the holder who throws the ball, right? Because the holder's usually an XQB of some kind. Well, it wouldn't be that. Yeah, but that would be more on a field goal, wouldn't it? On the punt, you snap into like... Oh, that's true. That's true, yeah. But yeah, there was like some sort of weird play where they snapped it to the off man. He ran off with it. Then someone reversed round pitch to him, then he pitched back to Andy Lee. And he, like, throws one up for, like, 16 yards. Yeah, it was a solid throw as well. And they got pass interference as well, didn't it? It did, yeah. But, you know, not needed once you converted to the first down. Yeah, basically a flea flicker. But, yeah, it was a, it was an exciting play to watch at the very least. That's one of my favourite things, I think, about the Kingsbury offence is that, you know, they're not... They're not um, risk averse in that way you know he's happy to to take these like the the announcers keep calling them cute plays but i call them fun plays it's pretty boy football it is pretty boy football but i'm I'm quite into it i mean if it's very very fun to watch you know at that point did you see the play what they ran with both david johnson and kenyon drake in the backfield uh, the very first play of the game so that they could both get the start. Yes, I did see that. No, it was a bit later in the game, this one was. Like, obviously, they run it maybe like a RPO. Oh, yeah, I did see that, actually. It was like a stacked 
backfield, pretty much. Yeah, basically ended up with David Johnson running as a fullback and Kenyon Drake got it on like a, what looked almost like a Statue of Liberty play. Ended up running off that way, yeah. There was actually a breakdown of it on Twitter. I think I just retweeted it about an hour or two ago. No, it's uh, there's some really, really good stuff there. And, and you know, that's the thing is like, we've got currently two excellent running backs and a third one who should be ready within a couple of weeks. I think Chase Edmonds is is still, he's not day-to-day or anything yet. They're, they're not expecting him back for a while, but like this is a this is a big stable of running backs. I, plus Kyler Murray, who is a run threat in and of himself. He's still classic David Johnson as a quality running back, even after this week. Well, he's I, I would say he's a quality wide receiver, maybe. We he's got potential to be a quality running back. He's got potential to do something, I suppose, but you know. Whether it'll be an Arizona from next year, who knows? Uh well that's a big question, isn't it? Definitely one for the off season. I think he's I think he might have six weeks to prove himself at this point. I mean, if it was up to Twitter, he'd only be out on his ear. But, you know, thankfully they're not the GM. <sighs> Absolutely. And tw- you know, Twitter's strange like that. They're also strange when we get to talk about the Bird Gang Bowl. Well, I mean, we should not spend at least 10 minutes talking about this, though, because it might annoy certain people. <laughs> it might upset some people. <laughs> David. <laughs> All right, so shall we, shall we restrict ourselves to nine minutes for David's site? I think we'll do as long as we want, because it's our show. <laughs> I'm sorry, David. I tried to take it out before we started, but Tom made me keep it in. We'll move on to the Bird Gang Bowl now, though. And quickly, we'll talk about the League One season because I don't want to talk about it because I'm now four and six. <laughs> That's not a good not a good uh, thing. Are you out of the playoffs yet? Or are you? Uh, how are you looking for that? I think it'd be a miracle because considering I lost 109.06 to 160.52, Versus Fitz fingers. Oh, that's tough. I mean, that's what I get for starting David Johnson. Sorry, that's what I get for starting David zero point zero zero points Johnson. Yeah, that's true. What was it? Two yards and a fumble. Yeah, but you know what can I do? I mean, I had no chance in this one anyway, really, because I had too many buys and injuries. I could have been at least twenty points better off with the Steelers starting, but I still would have lost. And so you know, that's how it goes. And I think David Johnson is still undroppable at this point, actually. Hilariously. I mean, I could drop him and then someone in the playoffs could benefit from him. But I think he's undroppable on the NFL's undroppable list. I think I can overrule that as moderator. Ah, right. Fair enough. Well, in Bird Gang Bowl, I, uh, I actually won this week. That takes me to a streak of one win and an overall record of 5-5. Five and five. Uh, I won 175.64 against Chaos Clutch, who had 147.62. Yeah, good game overall. Got Patrick Mahomes back. That was very helpful. Yeah, I wish I had Patrick Mahomes back, but, you know, I had to make do with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray did all right, though, if I remember rightly. He had, like, 22 points or something. Yeah, I mean, I no, no complaints from Kyler Murray, obviously, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes, my Mahomey. Mahomey, yeah. Well, he's back, and he did well for me, as did uh, Jarvis Landry in that league. So, Shall we move on to the Dynasty League before we get too much into this fantasy football malarkey? <laughs> too, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I've got some bad news for my fantasy, but there we go. I mean, my week wasn't that much better because I managed to score the third lowest points in the league and yet still won. Did you just happen to... Well, I guess you broke up with one of the two worst scorers in the league then. I was, yes. I managed to win 141.78 to 102.38 over Hundley Week 4 starter. 
what a, a prediction that's turning out to be. You're still waiting. <laughs> He's stuck in week four in 2040. I mean, more importantly, certain other results move me up into the playoff positions. Do you want to talk about that certain other result? Uh, well, the thing is, is I lost to Michael, who is currently second overall with a record of 8-2 and two because he's actually got a really good team at the moment. And so, yeah, I lost 152.28 to 211.02, um, bringing me to a 5-5 five and five record. All I can say is that I'm just looking at Michael's team and I'm wondering how future-proof that is for the dynasty. But we'll see. We'll see how he does. I mean, surprisingly, that wasn't even the highest score this week. Who ended up with the highest score? I think it was a team with a losing record, actually, against Murray Mints. Yeah, Steve Kimes draft Dartford. Yeah, he scored like 223 or something like that. Yeah, that's a pretty solid score right there. I guess they had Patrick Mahomes back and Golden Tate. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty solid team he's got there. But I think we should move on from fantasy football now. <laughs> I think we're like four minutes or so, maybe. <laughs> All right, well, i tell you what, let's talk about a game that everyone can enjoy, the uh, Cardinals at the 49ers. I don't think we have a time limit on this one, do we? Just as much as we want to say. We can just talk about it forever if we want to. Although, I mean, to be fair, we only played these a few days ago, so is there really much more to add? Well, here's the thing, I guess. We played them a a few days ago, as she said, but it was a close game a few days ago. It was, yes, another close loss which is what we seem to be doing these days. Admittedly, that was a close loss in Arizona. But do you think we have a chance coming into this? I mean, if you see how they did last night in terms of injuries and stuff like that, you'd think maybe we could have a chance. And I guess as well, they'll be slightly less well-rested than we will as well because they played in Monday night football. I think by the time it comes to Sunday, it won't make much of a difference. But you know, these, these are the little things that might matter. Yeah, I mean, these are like a professional athlete, aren't they? 24 hours isn't going to make much difference to them. It's true, yeah. But it, it, I mean, the thing is, is, and one of the big things that players and coaches talk about is when you're on Monday night or Thursday night football, it throws off the schedule for the rest of the week. You know, it's a schedule that at this point they've been used to for 10 weeks. And all of a sudden it's slightly thrown out. And, you know, maybe that only makes the tiniest bit of difference, but maybe it makes a bit of a difference regardless. With them playing Monday night football, they're probably not going to start proper training this week, are they? Until like Tuesday, Wednesday. Probably Wednesday, like proper training. Tuesday probably be like a walkthrough, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean traditionally you get you get Monday off after a win. And you come in on Monday after a loss. I I on a usual Sunday night. Do you get given Tuesday off if you won on Monday night football? I don't know. I wouldn't have thought so, because then how are you prepared for Sunday? If you take a day off. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, looking at their lost in overtime to Seattle last night, it could prove costly with a few injuries heading into the game against us on Sunday. That's true. They, they kind of racked them up a little bit last night from what I saw this morning. Yep, of course. Our chief tormentor last week, well, the other week, Emmanuel Sanders is feared, feared to have broken ribs. Matt Breed is set to miss time with an ankle injury. There's fears that defensive lineman Ronald Blair may have torn an ACL. A big question, and this is one of the big downsides to recording this podcast on a Tuesday, is that we never really know about you know what the final injury reports are going to be, because those come out on Thursdays, right? I think it's usually Friday you get the best indication. Is it? Yeah, Friday. So, you know, they won't come out for a while yet, so we won't know about the outcome of a lot of these. But needless to say, they were definitely banged up. 
as far as uh, defense goes, we were able to keep Nick Bosa quiet last time. Hopefully we can somehow do the same again. I believe Seattle kept him very quiet last night as well. That's true, but Seattle also have a good offensive line. Uh, I mean, it's not that great, but I mean, it's maybe a little bit better than ours, but I wouldn't say they're much better. I was going to say, I guess these days, that's, you know, it's less of a thing for the Cardinals. The Cardinals have, you know, all of a sudden got an offensive line that is at least semi-capable. And I mean, they've got a mobile quarterback, haven't they? Like, we've got a mobile quarterback, so offensive line isn't always the biggest need. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, obviously they're coming off of a loss as well, which is uh, their first one this season, and actually their first one, I think, since uh, Jimmy Garops took over. So obviously they want to bounce back against us, won't they? Well, will they bounce back or will they be a bit shaken up by it? Who knows? Um, I mean, it's the first of our last few games this season. And of course, all these ones are now 9 or 9.25pm kickoffs. So we're back to normality for us lot. All in the late window, which obviously helps because, I mean, well, for some reason this year, the, the curse of the early games were was less of a thing, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's not like we were too slow like off the blocks in them, but you know, I'd much rather play at nine o'clock just to enjoy Red Zone as always. I was going to say, apart, apart from anything else, we get to watch Red Zone, which is is always good fun. Always uh, pure selfishness, really. Don't care about the team, really. It's all about our enjoyment and entertainment. Yeah, all about watching seven hours of commercial free football or three hours or so till we watch a proper game. No, I, I do tend to enjoy the 905 kickoffs for the Cardinals better because, yeah, by that point I've watched some of the red zone and, and I get to, to sit in and, you know, enjoy the Cardinals football as I, in, in full. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be an interesting game. You know, I, out of all of the divisional games that we've got left, just based purely on the fact that we were so close to, you know, well, we, that we only lost by such a small amount last time, I don't know, I feel kind of confident about this one. Is that showing in your prediction for this game? I think it's going to be another close one. I think I'm going to have to call 30-27. Two. Uh, to SF. So you're not that confident in us winning? No, but I think it can at least be a close game. Yeah, I mean, I've gone for a San Francisco win as well anyway. But I'm going for a bit of a lower score. I'm going to go for 23-21 San Francisco. Okay. So you think we can hold them to, to like, three touchdowns or so. Yeah, somewhere along those lines, or maybe just field goals. They they can have the struggles in the red zone for once. Fair enough, yeah. I mean, it's uh, I think it, I think it's going to prove to be an interesting game. It's going to tell us a lot about the the team as a whole. And um, you know, there's there's a lot of mitigating circumstances that could be coming up in this game, so I'm excited to see. Yeah, I mean, if we win, we can find out that San Francisco were actually frauds all along. <laughs> yeah, there was some sort of like weird magic that they had a streak and that was it. Eight games win and then they'll lose the last eight games and fire everyone. It could happen. It could happen. It could. I doubt it, but it could happen. That's true. We'll soon see though, but for this week's episode of the British Bird Gang Breakdown, that's everything. Except for the plugs. Well, best get on with the plugs then. Yep, so of course, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us at British Bird Gang. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang and join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Bird Gang. Buy British Bird Gang merchandise at britishbirdgang.tml.com and of course, if you like what you hear, leave us a nice review somewhere. Or tell your friends, tell your mum, tell someone. Just, yeah, 
in-person reviews. Like if you want to scroll them on a bridge over the M6 or something like that, that's fine as well. And if you want to leave like nice comments on our Facebook group and you know, see how great this podcast is, like <laughs> someone did today, that's also someone great. Did do that today. That was that was really sweet. Yeah, I didn't actually pay them for that either. <laughs> I, the, the the check in the post says contrary. Well, I mean that's just jokes, isn't it? Well, I guess that's it from us then for this week. Yep. So until next week, goodbye and good night. <laughs> goodbye. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> we'll leave it in. Yeah. End it. End it now.